This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. And by the way, that is an empirically proven fact that this is the best AW podcast. There was a review that also stated that. I'm sure we'll talk about it later in the show. I'm Aaron Bentley, the guy who's always putting over himself and this show on this show. It's what I do. I'm joined, as always. Oh, my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. I'm actually doing better than usual weeks. Like, I'm, you know how I, I've lately been saying I am I exist just as much as I did last week. Take that as you will. I'm feeling really good this week, and I think that's because I have something that's proven to be controversial on right now. Oh. I've oh, got yes. a brand new tracksuit. It is white and then atomic red slash orange, and it's making me very happy. It's a summer tracksuit. I mean, we're past Easter. You know, I can wear this thing until Labor Day, you know observing proper clothing parlance and you know i'm feeling pretty good about it so i'm doing pretty great how are you doing ab i'm doing all right the, the very nice weather is really helping i've also been trying to trick my brain chemistry with pop music all week so it's working a little bit we are also joined by nate aka Epitasis. what's up nate hello it's me glad to hear that you're you know diving back into pop music aaron after your uh years long unfortunate uh, dalliance with sad, emotional Americana or whatever. Who needs it? Just give me some candy-coated pop music as fake as possible. Is Atomic Red the official nomenclature for that color, Mike? Yeah, it, it's called Atomic Red, but it's really like somewhere between like red and orange and like highlighter color yeah, on camera. I mean, it, it, re- it reads as orange, but yeah. it does have a sort of neon radioactivity. So uh, the atomic, it certainly fits, I think. It, uh, it, I'm, uh, I'm finding that I'm very, um, I'm having a lot of issues with dust in my life as a result of being home more often. The you know, I just don't understand how dust can be such a constant and where all the dust comes from all the time. You know what I mean? Do you guys have issues with dust? Yes. We, we dust once a week because there's so much dust. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have a air purifier set up because I'm the same way. I, Mm. when I went and got like allergy tests done, like my third biggest allergy that was like, you need to take care of it was to dust. So I'm kind Mm, of, yeah, obviously I'm not, I'm not a, being as thorough as once a week here. And it's exacerbated, of course, because I am uh, very masculine and have gotten into masculinity. A lot of my furnishings are black, so the dust just reads terribly. And it's uh, really driving me into a low level of madness, I feel like. We also recently got the the dog who has black fur, so we get a lot of black fur about the house now. So that leads to more like wanting to clean surfaces to get all of that away. And we have, I guess, because Sarah is uh, a lot less masculine than you, Nate. She's gone with a lot of white surfaces in the house, a lot of white furniture. 
So you just see the dust and you see the, the black shit everywhere. Mike just got up and I got the full view of the tracksuit. Wow. <laughs> what a look. <laughs> it's a whole ensemble for sure. It is. You'd love to see it. Um, I thought you were about to talk about, you know, stardom legend dust. Sure. Now, if you, in, in my local promotion here, Shimmer, of course, she doesn't use the... Actually, I guess, well, she changed her name at one point. And then she's no longer Dust, right? She changed it again? Yeah, she when she did this last stardom Zoe, tour... She, you're right, she was Zoe Sky, then she was Dust, yeah. and now she's yeah. back to Zoe Sky. She is. She is. Well, I'm sorry to hear about the Dust, Nate. Thank you. <laughs> I've taken to... I don't know if this is weird or not, but I've taken to using the little... Um, Vacuum cleaner attachment to uh, to clean surfaces. Yeah, I've done that. I do a lot of that. It's a lot easier, especially for getting up the dog hair. I hate the dog hair everywhere. Really bothersome. Yeah, I imagine that's better for the dog hair for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just don't, you know, using a little vacuum gimmick on like my entertainment console does, you know, doesn't feel like the right move. So I don't know. I guess maybe I need some of those little Swiffer dust pads or something to really... Make sure I'm eliminating this for as long as possible so I don't have to do it every damn day. Yeah, we also do the, the Swiffer gimmick for sure. All right. Well, if listeners have any ideas for please. Nate's dusting, please pass them along. We'd love to hear about them. We'll talk about them right here on the show. Yeah, leave it in a review. We'll for sure spend five to ten minutes on dust. <laughs> either either dust. If you need a place to send those suggestions, you can go to Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. You can send it right to him or Mike at Fujiheya. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a review. And if you need some bonus content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash everything elite. Especially come and chat with us during Dark and Dynamite. Mike and I are voice chatting and answering questions and just goofing off for both of those shows. So uh, feel free to come join us. Nate, do you want to hit the the review now, or do you want to save it for the end of the show? Well, I was going to save it, but since you brought it up, okay, just want to shout out our reviewer. Um, and I'll I don't Andy. I'll just leave the last name because I don't know that once the last name uh, broadcast. Uh, just thank you for the five star review. Andy said, even as the host of an AEW podcast myself, I recognize that Everything Elite is the best in its class. It's a dream partnership of good politics and good grapple opinions. Thank you very much. Uh, was even so considerate that did not plug their own AEW podcast in the review, which is a remarkable amount of restraint. So have to give it up to them. This is finally the first empirical evidence, as Aaron mentioned, that we are the best. Um, so I'm going to have to spend the rest of my episode here cutting him down and making sure that he doesn't uh, you know, take that too much to heart. Because again, as you saw at the beginning of the show, his ego is already very much out of control. I feel very confident that we uh, do a great podcast is all I'm saying. I love our podcast. It's good stuff. Here's what we're going to do on this edition of the excellent AEW podcast, Everything Elite. We're going to play the great segment, Elite or Delete. We're going to do one of our classic Dynamite rundowns. We're going to do some very brilliant commentary from Mike Spears on ratings. And we're going to look at next week's Dynamite and the budding card for Double or Nothing. In fact, I think this show will be better than Double or Nothing. I'm going to just say it right now. That's my prediction. Better, better than the pay-per-view itself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this free ah. show. 
Well, well it'll, it'll certainly be more economical than Double or Nothing. <laughs> I don't know if we can promise anything as alluring as the stadium stampede. Mm. Well, we'll talk about that later. We'll have a full preview of Double or Nothing next week. But let's start with Elite or Delete. Delete! Elite! Delete! Elite! It's customary here in this house for you to go first. So tell us your favorite thing from this week's episode of Dynamite. So uh, this is probably the strongest argument why none of our episodes will be as good as any given uh, AEW production. That is because we do not have the reigning Flair Thez wrestler of the year. One, Mr. Chris Jericho. I've picked him as an elite thing before. I'm going to do it again for a couple of reasons. The whole, the first half of this show really didn't do a ton for me. I was like, yeah, you know, this is fine. This is, uh, you know, productive. They're accomplishing their goals here. But when uh, Jericho murdered Pineapple Pete with the Judas effect, probably an all-time great Judas effect, that got me out of my seat. I mean, I was probably going to get a drink and I just stayed standing. I probably didn't literally jump out of my seat. Uh, But that got me fired up. And then just the whole post-match promo and the vicious bat attack with Floyd the Bat onto Vanguard 1 absolutely got me uh, further invested in that feud than I'd been up to this point. And he was extremely entertaining throughout. Made Made a star out of Pineapple Pete here over the course of these three weeks or four weeks or whatever it is. And uh, he's just a joy. He's a joy. Chris Jericho. Like, yet again, Chris Jericho and Vanguard One proves, like, how he is the most talented person, I think, in wrestling. Being able to kind of do this last month and a half where him and, and Vanguard One have just been just a giant comedy act. Like, I've everything that he's done in regards to that, I think, has been brilliant. The way that they built up, like, Pineapple Pete, uh, Shug D, into this, and then completely subverting everyone's expectations of how they're building it, how they're building it to the idea that that pineapple Pete got one flurry of offense and immediately was put down. And that was it. I thought like that was really like a smart way of doing things. And then, yeah, going back towards elite versus inner circle, that's something that has been kind of speculated. And with like the last full taping being all about the TNT tournament, it did feel like it was like completely in the backseat. And he found a way, and it's a credit to the entire promotion that to like completely restart this thing. And now we have to like kind of like figure out over the next like week and a half, like what's going to be this uh, stadium stampede? Are we going to get Vanguard two? Are they going to? Get, is he basically going to get like a Roomba and attach a knife to it? Is that what Matt Hardy is going to do, or like attach a taser to a uh, to a drone? Like how are you going to escalate from here? And at the very least, like this keeps it being interesting and pushing things forward. And now we have the whole thing that it's, we know who the inner circle is going to bring into this thing. Now we have to wonder like, what's going to be the overall elite team coming to double or nothing. I find that all very intriguing. And I'm excited to see like how they spend the next week and a half building this up for this match. Nate, I have a two part question for you related to your elite pick. Hell yeah. One is, the Jericho segment or was this Jericho segment goofy in some way? And two, if it is goofy, why is it better than like uh, Matt Hardy teleporting around? 
Uh, yes, it was goofy. Both aspects of it were, were a little goofy. I mean, the Pineapple Pete thing was pretty much a straight-ahead wrestling match, and he jobbed him out with a Judas effect in like two minutes or whatever. Uh, but the Pineapple Pete character premise is fundamentally pretty goofy. And then, yeah, beating a drone to death with a baseball bat is uh, undeniably goofy. Um, but it works because it, Chris Jericho has always been a fundamentally goofy character. Even going back to getting over in WCW, he's always had a comic edge to everything he's done. A lot of his heel act has always been that he's, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, someone to be mocked and uh, making an ass of himself, especially when he eats shit as a heel. It's like he's getting his just desserts by uh, being humiliated and exposed as a dumbass uh, in his heel character. And it's there's no magic involved like there is with Matt Hardy. Even the Matt Hardy broken stuff, it, it's weird for the sake of being weird, um, but you can ground it in a way that doesn't make it objectionable to me and doesn't make me like just you know stick on my tongue and go that's ah, not what I want to see. When he gets into like literal teleporting and stuff, that's where you involve magic, and at that point, they're like what universe does this show take place in? Cause it obviously doesn't take place in anything close to reality. I think that's really interesting what you said about Jericho because right to, to criticize this as like beyond the pale of silliness is, is to ignore his entire career. I mean, he was literally coming out with, with Ralphus and doing, you know, uh, ridiculous stuff in WCW and his entire you, you, you imagine like his hairstyle and that really is a summation right. of yeah he's like okay the absurd top knot thing is like yeah that's chris jericho uh, uh diluted to a single image yeah you pretty much can't take that away from you can't take that edge away from jericho and get everything that jericho has to offer like the full value that he brings yeah i mean it's something that if you ignore this edge about him, then you're ignoring an important facet of him as a character. Like there's only been a very few times where he's gone completely dropped the absurdity. And that was like when he was trying to do the, uh, like the suited pro I'm blanking on the guy's name, the AWA guy that he was trying to imitate when he came back that one time. Bachwinkle? Bachwinkle. When he was trying to do the Bachwinkle thing. I don't know why that slipped out my mind, but he has like these kind of character traits that have, as Nate brought up, been like core tense about him for almost 25 years now that if you ignore these tenets, then you're ignoring the character, like acting like him doing a, a promo to uh, Vanguard one is out of character. No, that's exactly his character. Like that's why I always make comments about how he is a uh, Jody Hill, Danny McBride character, because that is very much like an aspect of it that they lived in this world of absurdity. And if you take that out of it, then what do you just have just like a pompous person that like there's no like enjoyment in their downfall because part of the absurdity is that they have such a heightened like self-image that when they have the downfall like when he lost to when, when he lost the title to mox like when, when this all happens the downfall is supposed to be just as amusing as his like rise so if you take out the absurdity you're losing a, a key facet of jericho in my mind right and he also plays it correctly in that like He's not being ironic or funny when he's smashing Vanguard one or I mean, he is, but he's not showing it as part of the performance. He's just playing it real like, oh, I'm fucking pissed off at this drone right now. I mean, he did. There was a, there was a moment, I think, where he cracked after pretending to talk to the drone by putting the microphone in its face. There is like a, a brief smile on his face that suggested he knew how absurd it was. Uh, but yeah, I do want to 
put this on our uh, our, our to watch list because with the WWE obviously not producing any any stars or programming of note during this period, New Japan uh, continues to be shut down going forward. Uh, very good chance that Chris Jericho is the prohibitive favorite to repeat as the Flair Fez Wrestler of the Year, which would give him four awards, which would uh, tie him with Kobashi, and he would uh, then pass Misawa and Tanahashi and be second only to Ric Flair in terms of uh, Wrestler of the Year awards. Wow. I had not thought of it in that historical context. Strange for Nate to be pulling out all the historical context on the show so far. I mean, for Nate to, to drop Bachwinkle, I don't think anyone would have had that in the in the office pool. I Wrestling history is very interesting. I just don't have time to watch the matches. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah. Well, I, maybe, maybe I don't mean wrestling history in in uh, in its entirety. Hearing Meltzer just do long monologues about whatever strikes his fancy and go for 15 minutes just relating one thing into the next and, and telling whatever story about him being out in San Jose and who he happened to be out drinking with when he got whatever news. <laughs> that is very entertaining to me. I mean, no one could stop the San Jose steamroller. It's undefeated. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's Nate's pick. So let's move on to Mike's pick for uh, the elite portion of this week's episode of Dynamite. So she wasn't on air a whole lot this episode, but I felt like that the way that she's presented herself since they've now have had more people down in Jacksonville, but Nyla being able to draw interest and be able to like become like just like in basically two things on the show. Like I, I think Jericho Jericho was going to be my pick. Like that's like the, I, I enjoyed what Jericho did so much, but I really enjoy me picking something and then both of you finding a way to be like, well, Nate really fucked me over here <laughs> the, week after week. The, this is why, at least when we get to the delete, I have something that I'm very passionate about. And I marked it down. So I'm, I'm cool with go. this. But I think that like when we like we're like, OK, and it might have been something that either privately or we've talked about maybe a little bit on programming, talking about, OK, they've had this pay-per-view that's been coming up and everything has been so focused towards certain things. And then. Nyla comes back. She instantly like redefines herself. Like she's the, it, it's like to the extent of, do we think that she's the one who stole the kendo stick? Probably not, but she's the one that's like, all right. Oh, so, so you're challenging me for the title. Yeah, here. And, and then, and probably one of the best like interactions just going whack. Here's your kendo stick. I thought that that was like a tremendous. Oh, do, do the line read. If you're going to do the line read. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. She, she says, here's your kendo stick, bitch pop. And then, clocks her she falls over and it's like okay now we have a world title match already built up there and with how hikaru shida has basically steam like like dave Meltzer, whoever gets a friend of her way over the last like month and a half she steamrolled and it makes sense that this is the title match even though the build is not as much as it should be i feel like that they did a lot within the last week or so to make this a very interesting title match and to be honest like this is a match like it's no dq no count out they've had matches before but it's just like okay how's it gonna be now that they're gonna basically have a uh, hardcore match or they could have a hardcore match out of this and i think that's a very interesting route for these two to go down and i'm excited about that yeah i was struck in that segment basically by how quickly nyla has become a good television wrestling performer you know because she wasn't doing any of that to my knowledge um when she was doing joshi or on american indies right and it's uh just made a quick transition to be like 
good in a television promo and here is like good in a backstage segment where she's acting for the cameras rather than for the back row in the arena i was very struck i was like oh wow she's like a has come into her own as as understanding sort of the the televised i don't want to call it sports entertainment the the televised american pro wrestling side of what they're doing in this company uh i am I'm, i mean i'm gonna be annoyed by just too many gimmick matches until the end of time i think um, we, we saw maybe the reaction to that where Edge and Randy Orton are now going to have the best wrestling match of all time because they're doing a straight ahead wrestling match. So, you know, that's the other end of it. But every show we've got some sort of Cracker Barrel clash on it. And it just it's, it's silly to me. Yeah, I'm going to I'll talk about that and the the builds and stuff later. But uh, Nyla is great. There's hard to. Hard to criticize really anything that that she did on this show for sure. She got herself back over if anybody had forgotten about her within about I don't know forty five seconds. You know, so uh, good for her. My pick for uh, the elite pick of the week. This is going to be problematic. I'm going to get canceled. I'm going Mike Tyson. AEW bringing in Mike Tyson. I think it's an inspired choice. No one would have predicted it. I mean, they kind of fainted at. Uh, Sting coming in. So they kind of they swerved us a little if you were trying to guess which way they were going. And if this is going to be live, which I don't know that that's clear yet, you have the added benefit of, you know, Mike Tyson on live pay-per-view. What's he going to do? Uh, I don't know that anybody's going to buy this thing that wasn't going to, to see Mike Tyson. But I think it's interesting. It adds a little bit of, of intrigue. And from strictly a fighting perspective, I'm a huge Mike Tyson mark. So I'm excited to see Tyson at Double or Nothing. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. Well, I said it first. <laughs> it, it's interesting because there's like divorcing like the Mike Tyson and who he is as a person and his history. They've done a very interesting job of how they've treated their titles when they've introduced them. The first time we saw the, uh, the men's world title it was with bret hart and jack whitehall at double or nothing the women's title like they always had it like on the pedestal at the back of the entranceway or in the front of the entranceway for all out weren't the rock and roll express the ones that were supposed to give the titles out the tag titles out to the first champions or they were there the night of this so then you have like mike tyson as a person here for tnt championships out there and i think that pretty interesting i'm a little surprised that like with tnt being like such like at the forefront of this that they didn't try to get like shack out here for it or shack have been like i'm not going out here for this because something that i've noticed is that they've been really pushing on AEW program shack life and i know there's been interactions with the Rhodes and shaquille and neil so i was kind of surprised about this uh mike tyson is someone that is always while he's alive because of how he was as a pop culture figure is always going to be someone that when you bring out, I mean, he was pretty much before Floyd Mayweather, he was the last true boxing superstar. And I mean, he's the last like world heavyweight champion boxing superstar. Like you can't compare like how like Anthony Joshua is in pop culture versus how Mike Tyson is. So it's, it's, it's a get. And of course now everyone's going to be like, Oh, is there going to be like a Steve Austin moment with this? So I think it's interesting. I mean, that that's not, of course, Mike Tyson is Mike Tyson. The, the whole discourse about Mike Tyson's rehabilitation from the 90s is something that I am not equipped to get into. But I think it's an interesting move. 
Yeah, I will say, um, obviously, no time for me for old wrestling, but uh, old Mike Tyson fights are very short and still hold up as very entertaining, just as like singular physical charisma and talent uh, and very watchable. Um, and yeah, obviously, no one's defending, um, you know, any of the things that he did. But I think society seems to have come to the shared conclusion that he's been sort of rehabilitated, right? Um, there was the documentary, a very good documentary, 2008, uh, called, I think, just Tyson. That gives you a lot of insight into his uh, upbringing and difficulties of his youth, which, you know, make him a more sympathetic character. And, you know, doing something like that, expressing remorse in that uh, pretty explicitly. And then, you know, having gone to prison and everything, uh, I, I feel like he's not a, you know, toxic person that AEW can't touch or something like that. Yeah, that's my thing. If if we're gonna have prison, the guy did it. You know, he uh, was pu- he was punished for his crimes, and he did the time. And he should uh, if he if you show remorse and serve your time, I just don't see why he can't be uh, accepted as a as a person. So I don't know. Uh, it's but that's it's a biased position coming from me because I always loved Mike Tyson. As a kid, following oh, I thought you were going to say, "Oh, because I am uh, involved with a lot of <laughs> protecting the rights of prisoners." Well, yes, done. yeah, that's also okay. true. But it's you, like, went a, you went a different route with it. Yeah, but these assholes want it both ways, right? They want to have prisons and these long sentences, but when people serve the sentences, they don't want to uh, give them any level of forgiveness after they've done so. So you know, it's you can't win. But anyway, I'm happy to see Mike Tyson. I hope it goes well. I think he, you know, squandered all the money he made as a fighter. So I hope he gets a good little payday out of this it was really ahead of his time with the face tattoo huh absolutely absolutely like he was the only person that had the face tattoo when he did that it was a huge deal when he got the big face tattoo <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> now <laughs> everybody's top, got a face top tattoo. post on uh what was the appropriate huffington post maybe what Whoa, was the appropriate this, that was way before blog. huffpo really i think um it was like geez it was before the hangover and the hangover was what 2000 Eight, I think. Sounds right. Yeah, around yeah. That the documentary with you that was two thousand eight, also. Right. Yeah. Well, there I was mean. like a there was a recent Tyson documentary too, wasn't there? Like since that one, I think it might have uh, been like a. I think there might have been an HBO thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. It would make sense HBO being like this, and that's another reason why this also makes sense. Mike Tyson was an HBO boxer. HBO and Turner are all owned by Warner Media, which is owned by AT and T. Makes sense that this this tie-in in a lot of different ways could be doing this hbo max is going to be coming out over the next uh, few months so it makes sense why they're doing this and i guess does this make mike tyson a member of the aew championship committee at this point it does it does that's that's canon it does suck that we're not going to get to see him come out as a surprise in vegas though that would have been oh yeah if this was been, in I vegas, one, of, one of our yeah. uh, one of our followers tweeted that and i retweeted it and i forgot who um but that definitely would have been, you know, comparable to the Bret Hart coming out with the AEW title moment. 2003 is when Mike got the face tattoo. Okay, wow, that's wow. a lot earlier. Yeah, oh, coming that up on earlier. coming up on 17 years of it. Did Way newspapers it exist in 2003? I guess. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what blogs I was reading in 2003. I, I think definitely Gawker, wasn't watching vlogs. Yeah, vlogs no. were not a thing yet. YouTube was a very much not a thing then. Like back. If YouTube was even like existed, 05, yeah, 05. I was I was reading Daily Coast 
2003. Oh, yeah. Uh, Digby. Digby. I'm trying Probably. to think of Aaron Aramos. Dig, dig.com. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Dig.com. Hey, guys, remember Fark? DrewCurvis'sFark.com? Oh. DrewCurvis'sFark.com. If it's Boy, on the internet, I. it's got to be Fark. Kentucky gubernatorial candidate. Drew Curtis. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. He was doing well until he said his favorite presidential candidate was Donald Trump. Well, that didn't help him. It did, it didn't. It went poorly. It did, uh, d- Trump in the did Democratic win. primary. <laughs> hmm. Oh. Oh. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's basically sunk his campaign. Curious. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of things that suck, let's talk about the bad parts of Dynamite from last night. So, Nate, give us your delete pick of the week. Uh, I guess, like I said, I wasn't too into the first half of this show for whatever reason. The uh, Omega Hardy tag, you know, well worked. Love all the guys in that match for the most part. Just uh, kind of, I think, a a victim of these no crowd shows, uh, you know, long matches kind of dying a death. Uh, when you're watching them on television. That wasn't my pick, but I got on a tangent there. Uh, just a lot of sports entertainment ass angles and distraction finish type stuff on the show. This is, a, of course, another uh, axe that we grind on a regular basis, but, you know, had a whole bunch of people involved uh, to set up a ladder match and coming out, Phoenix coming out, MJF coming out, uh, had the putties, the Dark Order guys, best friends getting in the ring just all it was all over the place just too many sports entertainment ass non or you know fuck finishes to matches instead of straight ahead wins and losses that was something that i noticed by the end of the show i mean we did not have it in jerko and pineapple peak because that was a 45 second match but basically every single match had some level of interference on this on the show on the entire show like that's not my delete but that's something that people like it's a departure boom delete there we go Unlike Nate, who's gonna like who likes taking things before AB and I get an opportunity to, I I just served you one that up on the platter. I could assist on that. I, I grant you your assist on that. To be clear, I, I you know Aaron made the executive decision <laughs> that I would go first all the time, so you can blame. Oh, oh so so it's Aaron's fault. Okay, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. So I get the Kobe assist here. <laughs> okay. Which is, okay. Wow, doubting yourself is not a Kurt Goldsberry fan. No, never heard the name. Well, he was a NBA writer who got hired by the Spurs, and now he's an NBA writer again. His, uh, okay. The idea being, Kobe would miss a shot, and someone would make a basket off of his miss, and so that was a Kobe assist. Oh, okay. That yeah. Th- that sounds like when Ricky Davis was going for the triple double, and he tried to shoot a basket on his own goal so he can get a rebound. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so I'm treating that with just the amount, same amount of relevance that I would treat that Ricky Davis triple double. So, okay, cool. Are we far enough? Never mind. Not touching <laughs> Kobe question. Move on. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I do want to, I want to <laughs> piggyback on your delete pick real quick, Nate, because, well, I want to uh, set, I want to, hmm, what's the word I was looking for? Follow I'm just going to skip that part and I'm just going to go to what I was going to say. So, <laughs> what, <laughs> what I was going to say is, the sunlight's love, getting to you. The sunlight's getting to you, big cat. This episode is a real like kick to the dick of all the people who are like, wow, Dynamite sucked until Tony Khan took the reins. And when Tony Khan took the reins, this became a serious promotion with real wins and losses. You have this Matt Hardy thing over here, sure, but everything else is serious because he's Mid-South Tony, you know? (laughs) And then he books this shit and it's like, okay, 
Come on. Maybe Tony was in the room the whole time and was doing the shit you didn't like. It's kind of like when, you know, they announced that somebody has taken over a WWE show. It's like Eric Bischoff took over. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this episode sucked because of Eric Bischoff and not like Vince McMahon who fucks up everything every week. So just kind of funny to see that play out. Wonder who right. you could be referring to that would make those sort of proclamations about Tony taking over. Well, it is. I mean, there are some people in particular, but that's like the discourse now. It's like Tony Khan fixed AEW. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's out and open saying, oh yeah, I booked these shows. I did all this. But like, now we like look at this and it's like, oh yeah, he's been booking all this. This is a show that really every single match except for the one overt squash match there was some level of shenanigans. Like this isn't that this isn't Bill Watts's UWF. You know, you, you know that AW is going to survive and thrive because Tony is already myth making, right? <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say we're at the uh, the beginning of the fall of AEW because Tony's gotten way more active on wrestling Twitter lately. That is and that can only that can only lead to disaster. That's true, but he, he understands. Be, but he a understands weeks away how from to... DMing the alley cat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope he doesn't DM shoot name Justin. Yes. Who then leaks it? Just speaking of people who fuck up on Twitter, Mike, you got okay. a pick for us? Yes, Little I cat? do. Little cat, I'm taller than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just well. You're the one you call me big, so you got to be little. I mean, that's just how it is. All right, sure, whatever. I'm not gonna <laughs> go through this. I'm no, no fight whatsoever. No, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my delete, and it's something that I've talked about with Brody Lee. Is now we, we are building up this Brody Lee versus John Moxley world title match, and the character stuff and the idea of Dark Order taking what you want has done incredibly well like execution wise like there's the justification there that makes sense like all of Brody Lee's action and all the Dark Order's actions are rooted in logic but one thing that they've really made a big deal out of and we've talked about was how much Brody Lee steamrolled everyone like there was a big like match bug that like after his second match for his third matches won his first two matches by a combined five minutes and the next one said won his first three matches by a combined eight minutes I forget how long the Marco stunt match was, but it, it was, it would be fair to say that he won his first four matches under 15 minutes. And then he goes 50, 50 with Christopher Daniels and you're building up. And, and yeah, like Daniels, I, I know like he's someone that's seen as kind of like the in-ring legend of the promotion. He's like one of the oldest people, him and Dustin are the two oldest people in the promotion, but he's someone that has been such like a non-factor in the, in the promotion, like other than showing Penta that he could do a Asai moonsault. There's really not been a lot about Christopher Daniels. And then in your main event, he goes 50-50 with him. And you, there has to be like this huge schmoz for your world, your number one contender for the world title. And I think that for, for someone that like for Brody, how they're elevating him and treating this like pay-per-view main event, double or nothing too, Moxley versus Brody Lee does not do a great job there of making your challenger look as strong as possible when he's only been in the promotion now for not in not even two months. And I was really frustrated with that. And I just thought like Daniels looked good, but there was no reason in the world why it should have been a 50, 50, 12 minute match. Yeah. I, I do agree with you that they haven't done enough to establish Christopher Daniels credibility is like a threat to be taken seriously. Like he, uh, you know, wasn't in the team that won the tag team tournament or anything like that. So you know, I think you're right there. But 
Um, you know, it was a main event match. Brody Lee did kick out of his finisher at one, so I don't think you can really say it was like totally 50-50. Like Brody Lee, I think, was clearly the stronger man by the end of it. And a uh, friend of the show, Stoya, was excited to see a longer Brody Lee match, so I, I can't uh, disagree with her either. I'll just let this bleed into my delete pick, which is just like the lack of urgency on this episode where we're two weeks away from a pay-per-view. This would have been like a fine, you know, four weeks after a pay-per-view episode where you're kind of just, well, we're not really sure where we're going next, but here's some kind of fun stuff. But there is like, there's nothing hot for this pay-per-view. And this was an example of something. Well, I mean, the, the stadium stampede is hot, I guess, but that only because of the gimmick. The I don't think the feud is hot. And this is an example of like, you can't build up really heated matches and angles unless you do it the right way. If Tony would brush up on his Mid-South, he would see that Brody has to demolish everyone in his path before he gets to the champion. Yes, it would have made more sense if this was a more credible challenger, but I still don't want him going anywhere near 50-50 with anybody. He's got to, he should have had the match that Jericho had with Pineapple Pete, not with Pineapple Pete, but with Daniels or anybody else. And really, I would have had him beat somebody more credible very quickly to put that seed of doubt in your mind. Doesn't he want people to buy this pay-per-view? Yeah, but that's, I mean, I, I don't really disagree with you, but to play Tony's advocate, that is kind of the build <laughs> that you're doing with Lance Archer, right? Is you had him run through everybody and then he beat Dustin, who's been pretty protective in this promotion and brutalized him to where he's retired now or whatever. So, uh, you know, I think the hotness part of it is just, there's not a crowd. So it's pretty hard to do, you know, like the the beating up a, a drone with a bat, like that works regardless of the context, right? Like that could work backstage or in a pre-tape or whatever just because of the the nature of what that angle is the angle where like cody drives a truck into a bunch of pipes and they fall down and then he like now he's you know pissed off finally lance archer's finally gotten to him because he's going after his wife and shit so now he's you know marching hot into the arena that kind of thing i think we saw doesn't really if there had been a crowd you can see how that would have been a hot angle and people would be like oh shit here comes fucking cody it's getting real now and then the angle comes off 10 times better. So I, I kind of just have to control for that, I think, in terms of are these builds getting hot or not. Yeah, but that match, at least, the the ultimate victor is in question, I think. And some of that has to do with the build, even though I think having Lance go not destroy Dustin quickly was also a mistake. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty consistent on how I think you should build up monsters like this, especially heels. But... So, yes, I, I agree. The crowd, we don't have the crowd to react. But in the Mox Brody Lee match, I feel like you need Brody to destroy a bunch of people to let us think for a second that maybe they're just going to go all the way with Brody. And I think no one thought that at all before this match. And we definitely don't come out of this match more likely to think that, which is bad for your pay per view main event. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. But if he'd gone out here and beat Christopher Daniels in six minutes, I don't. It would not put a question in my mind if he's winning the title. I would still say, yeah, Mox is winning the title. This is just a holdover title of challenge. Uh, and, you know, now Chris Daniels just looks a little bit worse next time they try to put him in a big position. So uh, maybe there's just not a good way to do this match. I don't know. I agree with that. I would have liked to have seen him 
beat the hell out of somebody who's who's more credible, who's more established in the promotion. This is what makes it tough. This is why Japan does a better job with units. So you could have somebody who was right below Mox that he could have destroyed, but Mox has no friends. You know, so I, I mean, I I do think this promotion does that pretty well. Like we're seeing Moxley versus Ten next week because Ten is in the Dark Order and he was carrying his belt around and shit. We've seen, you know, uh, Moxley went through Sam and Guevara before he faced Jericho, and now we've got, you know, Pineapple Pete has to wrestle Sam and Guevara before Jericho. I do, they do do a pretty good job uh, in the context of American wrestling, I think, of using those units that well. But Moxley doesn't have a unit because he's a, you know, lone wolf, uh, ooh, whatever. <laughs> All right, well, that is Elite or Delete. Let's get into the ratings from this week. Big drops all around. AEW down to 654,000. 15th in the demo with a 0.23. NXT, I don't, I don't know that it even matters to continue listing the, the NXT. We really, I guess just for comparison's sake. Uh, but basically, everybody's down. Yeah, and I noticed I wasn't necessarily too much on Twitter when the news came out, but everyone's really to a rush of saying UFC had one of their shows ironically enough, also in Jacksonville on an ESPN plus. And they thought, Oh no, this is the thing. Like, that's the one thing I think I've seen at discourse. Am I wrong in saying that that's kind of been the overwhelming theme is like, Oh, people think UFC might've hurt AEW and XC with this. Yeah, I think so. That's false. Oh, because as I said last week, we're at the end of the TV season. And you know how I said last week's this week was going to be the finale of survivor. And that mass singers in is, is finishing up. JK, ABC also had all their finales last night. And it did not just affect wrestling, it affected everything across the board. Like, the challenge has been the thing that's been complete control of number one and the uh, cable cable telecast demographics, but it dropped 0.06 from a uh, 0.54 to a 0.49. A Real Housewives dropped 0.09 to a 0.48. Summer House, which was said another big drop, was from a 0.17 to a 0.11. My point is, is that you take a look at how things finish up there and how if you look at like the individual demographics and how things are known, at least for what we know about the sales demographics for broadcast, arguably those would have had as much of influence on the overall TV ecosystem than just in a UFC on ESPN+. And we don't even know the numbers on ESPN Plus, and it's a private service. And the only time I've ever really seen numbers for like the ESPN Plus programming is when they've released a, a a press release. Like we don't know how big that was. So don't we know that they is this not the same thing that they did seven hundred thousand buys for? I don't no. know. Completely different show. They did a pay per view on ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus is the only way you can get UFC pay per views now from Saturday. That we already know they had seven hundred thousand plus buys. Okay. So, well, so here's, this is, this is like a fight night. This is like a fight night they had on ESPN+. Plus. Well, here's my question. Okay. Next Wednesday on Dynamite, going up against it, we're going to have the second NASCAR race. Do you right. think NASCAR pulls from AEW at all? You know, I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm actually real excited to see how this goes because at least on terrestrial TV, this will be the biggest sport coming back. Like UFC is to my knowledge, not really on terrestrial TV, at least for the last two weeks. Uh, the uh, the Last Dance, the uh, Michael Jordan miniseries has been pulling in incredible ratings. And then, like people have been kind of hungering for this content. 
NASCAR has been on somewhat of a downward slide over the last decade, but them coming back first and given that they were the only ones that have done a simulacrum of kind of what they present on TV with their esports thing, it's going to be interesting because you're going to have that. There's going to be another UFC show, to my knowledge. And then there's Mass Singer is going to be going on and we'll be seeing what the network slate's going to be. So this is could be a real messy situation next Wednesday for everyone. Which is great when it's your go home show for your right, yeah, no, <laughs> live, which I don't think matters, but live. So right. it, it, it's one of those things that I think that at least when I look at these kind of things and why I still like keeping track of NFC, I think you have to take a whole ecosystem view with everything right now, especially with, I mean, remember when they had the greatest Jeopardy tournament and how big ratings that did and that affected everyone else. I don't think you can just solely say UFC has a uh, has a relationship like a correlation between UFC and AEW. I don't think there's enough data that we will be able there to prove that there's a correlation. I do think though that there's correlation between big television events and the rest of the ecosystem though. So, oh, uh, well, two other quick things ratings wise. AEW's uh, P50 plus was the lowest in the top twenty. The only ones in the Top 50 that were lower than that were Bravo Summer House, Watch What Happens Live, and What We Do in the Shadows. And it, you know, that that's also one of those things that I think is worth taking a look at is Survivor pulls an older demographic and also can pull like, you know, 40s to 50s there. So I think that's interesting. NXT's P18 through 34 was the same as CNN had for five of its shows yesterday. So they get the same amount of young adults as CNN gets for most of their content. And next week, I'm putting something together where I'm not going to have like a, I'm going to have like two projections basically for the uh, double or nothing buy rates. I have one that I'm basing off of data and conversion rate that I just want to see how it's going. It's not going to be my official one or my prediction. And then I'll have my own one for it. But I've been working on that for a little bit. So yeah, that's fucking Nate Silver over here on the show next week. I mean, hey, I, I, not nice to say that about him after he's done all this work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, not to develop like an abbreviation for what this this projection will be. So, I once stood uh, behind Nate Silver at a uh, police line in Brooklyn. It's my Nate Silver story. There was a bomb bomb threat in downtown Brooklyn. Okay, and I was like, "Well, I wonder what that is." And like my phone, Nate Silver was tweeting about it. I went over and looked at the line. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's right directly in front of me. That's weird. Is, is that also your mundane celebrity encounter? Um, well, I probably had a fair amount of them in Brooklyn. I used to see Chuck Klosterman at the Dunkin' Donuts all the time. He went to the same Dunkin' Donuts as I did, where I would go buy Dunkin' Chinos, then play Dota 2 for like three hours at a time. Um, I'm sure I can come up with some more. So I Scott Adsit in oh, Union sorry. Square, just walking around. Uh, da, da, da. yeah, come back to me. I was, I, I already talked about my Shawn Michaels one. I was in line at South by Southwest 09 behind Doug Benson getting our passes to go see, uh, what was it? Oh, it was an early cut of what was the Duncan, the Duncan, uh, what's his name? The guy who did Moon. Uh, I was one Hunter Dunk. Oh, Hunter, Hunter. Duncan Hunter. Yeah, but it was this movie that he did right after Moon. They were showing a cut there, and, was, and I sat stood behind him in the line to get tickets for that. Nobody liked that one, right? It's not great. I tweeted this, but it is funny, so I will repeat it. Sarah and I were in Manhattan in a department store, and I saw former Republican National Committee Chairman Ken Melman. I said, Sarah, that's former Republican National Committee Chairman Ken Melman. And she said, who? 
Never. <laughs> <laughs> look at this. You call them Nate Silver and he gives you that generous laugh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, Duncan Jones, not Hunter, uh, Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones, yeah, no. I, I was I was laughing at Sarah's reaction because that would be my exact reaction as well. I wasn't laughing at AB. I was wow. laughing. Everyone, uh, see, before <laughs> we started this podcast, we were all really good friends, and just everyone has abandoned me as this has gone on. Duncan Jones, his middle name is Zowie. He's, uh, isn't he Bowie's son? Yeah, he's David Bowie's son. Like, I guess it's Zoe then. Yeah. Maybe it's pronounced Bowie, and we've had it wrong this whole time. Fuck. Uh, source, source Code was the next one. Yeah, Source Code. It's a piece of shit. Oh, I loved Source Code. It was okay, as I recall. I, it, it wasn't It wasn't like good, but it was like appealed to me in a lot of ways. It was Fundamentally, because it's about taking the Metro into downtown Chicago. So I was like, oh, I know <laughs> this experience. It, it, it was something not worth standing in line and giving up the opportunity to see other movies to go see an early cut oh, of. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. But yeah, it was supposed to be a big deal because it had Jake Gyllenhaal, Vera Farmiga, when she was like hot at that at that time. Yeah, Jeffrey like, Wright was like a big deal. <laughs> the real hot Vera Farmiga. No, run. like right she after. She had a hot run, dude. Right after and, uh, the uh, movie with. Uh, Scorsese. The Scorsese movie and then also the. Uh, uh george clooney movie about yeah, all the airplane the air. miles right up in the air. Air, i was yeah. calling it the air up there but that's a completely different movie i fucking no, love up in the air really yeah i feel like that's one that didn't that was like got oscar noms like probably for writing and just didn't you know had no lasting impact whatsoever he just did a lot of movies during that time that were like corporate dramas because there was like michael clayton and just was like he was getting a lot of nominations for those at those times well mike michael clayton it was like a serious film up in the air was like a rom com with serious trappings. And right, the real... way better than Michael Clayton. I don't um, think that's true. I don't think it's even close, frankly. <laughs> uh, I don't geez. think Michael Clayton what, is a very what? good film. The only good part of Up in the Air was the Cut Chemist cameo because uh, fucking Ivan Reitman's son was putting Cut Chemist in all of his movies for a time. Yeah, yeah, because that was Jason Reitman who did this like right after uh, Thank You for Smoking. Yeah, and yeah. everyone thought like, oh, Thank You for, thank smoking. You for smoking. I liked better than Up in the Air. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I bought that on DVD. I think I have that on DVD still too. Yeah, there I've got go. a. I, I own up in the air for sure. Okay. <laughs> I I think we should do Aaron's DVD corner because I, I have a feeling that like the movies that you have in your DVD corner would be distinctly different than the ones I might have. Uh, I'm confident that's true. I, I just I, I just love the scene at the end where he gets to meet the pilot. You know, after he finally gets to 10 million miles. And the pilot says, he's trying to make small talk. He's like, where are you from? And and George Clooney says, I'm from here. And it was just like, uh, it's very relatable in like a different way. Maybe. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't register with me. Don't yeah. Recall. I I think it's a thing about like the corporate I remember flying. Liking. Yeah. I mean, it was a fun movie, but it's no Michael Clayton. I, don't, I just don't like Michael Clayton. No. Uh, what else did he do? He did Juno. It's no Juno. It's no Juno. Yeah. Yeah. Juno's a wild movie to think about now. Also, Up in the Air has Danny McBride in like a serious role, like a vaguely really? serious role. Huh. Or it's Definitely like, didn't know him at the time. Not a comedic role, at least. It's like Dave Chappelle and You've Got Mail. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because didn't he play like a George Clooney's buddy? Like, no, or like a bartender or something? I forgot. He's like, he was getting ready to marry uh, Melanie Linsky. Oh, right, yeah. So then like he tries to back out of the wedding and George Clooney has to like talk him into... Going through with it, even though George Clooney, of course, swears off 
relationships, you know. But Sam Elliott is the pilot that George Clooney meets at the end, and he's just he's perfect. Just saw Sam Elliott in Roadhouse for the first time, as we discussed on That's uh, right. Patreon. Sam Elliott, a real legend. Just it's, funny. it's funny seeing a young Sam Elliott, or you know, quote unquote, young Sam Elliott, <laughs> because he projects his way older even then, but he's like spry and jumping around in that movie. He's great in that movie. Yeah, I mean, at that time, he definitely like really inhabited like the old man that could kick everyone's asses energy in a special way in Roadhouse. Couldn't have guessed we would be discussing the films of Duncan Jones and Jason Reitman on this. Look, episode. I got a lot of a lot of recent uh, entries on my letterbox we can get into if you want. <laughs> OK, well, we'll come back to that for sure. <laughs> I promise. Really, we're, we're going to do that. My you're, other... trying to, you're trying to sell me that you're being insincere, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, that was the that was okay. the the idea there. My other uh, the other one I could think of is also in Manhattan. I mean, you know, there's more famous people there than there are in Louisville, Kentucky, for example. Oh, yeah. And so uh, I can't even remember his name, but he got second on American Idol, and he walked across the alleyway that we were Justin in. Guarini. No, not the OG Clay Aiken. Second place. Fuck, I'll just look it up. Bo Bice. Bo Bice. <laughs> Good poll there, Nate. Bo, Bo Bice. I uh, wish it would have been Bo One of the Bice. funniest names of all time. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> what I, about I, the gray hair guy who was on? Uh, Taylor Hicks. Yeah. yeah Taylor Hicks. Wow, you got, you got a lot of American Idol uh, knowledge. All these I, people are like. 80 times more famous than any pro wrestler now. Right. Yeah. I mean, like they, they like were form firmly in the cultural zeitgeist at a certain time. I mean, Clay Aiken ran for Congress with the power <laughs> of running up there. You know I mean? Like, like whenever a wrestler runs for Congress, we look at him like, Oh yeah, that's a rhino. He's running for Congress. That's uh that's something. The same North brother. Yeah. Bravado brother. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Allen. Nope. He's the American oh, Idol. Nope. No, he, he actually won the season. I'm sorry. Okay. There we go. Never heard of him. Season five, I think. This is season eight. Adam Lambert was, I think, the the big star yeah, for yeah. right. He's definitely yeah. the famous person out of that. Yeah. So. Yes, but he did not win. Yeah. Chris Allen was your winner. But hmm. like, there was like a time where like every season of American Idol had someone that really entered like crossed over to normie culture really hardcore that just seeps in everywhere. So. Oh, I saw I saw Jason Schwartzman leaving the laundromat with a basket full of his laundry. <laughs> That's good. I've Wait, never it must have meant that he was within a walking distance of the laundromat. Yeah, I've never lived also, in like that kind of city. So these are yeah, man. I mean, that was my time. I feel like if I was Jason Schwartzman and I had Jason Schwartzman money, I would be doing the services that come and pick up your laundry and wash it and bring it back to you instead of going to the laundromat. Yeah, or just sending someone to do it. Yeah. Either way, there you go. That's the American Idol portion of the of the show. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about Dynamite. For yeah, this let's week. let's go through. I guess, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we are. I don't know how far into the show we are. Uh, but... Well, we are fifty four minutes or fifty six <laughs> minutes in. All right. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the show a lot already. Yeah. So Lance Archer comes out first. He's with Jake Roberts. He's kicking the captain Sean Dean's ass. Poor Sean Dean. You feel for him. And we get a recap of the Jake Roberts and Brandy angle from last week. Jake cuts a promo. He says he's been asked to apologize, and he'll apologize when Brandy kisses his ass. And then he does like this weird, uh, this weird bit about women belonging in the house, uh, and I guess not in the wrestling ring. And he tells Cody that his time is about up. Cody won't be able to hide much longer. 
and uh, some music starts playing, and we see Lance starting to be concerned, but Jake doesn't seem to notice. Perhaps his hearing has gone in his old age. Uh, but then it, we see Cody. He's in the American Nightmare truck with his logo emblazoned on the front of the truck. Uh, he kind of pushes softly through some barricades in a trash can, and uh, then he and Lance fight. Uh, but ultimately... Cody basically gets the upper hand and Jake makes Lance back off. This was one of those things that in front of a live crowd, this probably would have been gangbusters, but like Cody driving up to the ring and Daly's place just was like, Oh, okay. And then knocking over a trash can, a barricade and a couple pipes. Like that was just kind of like, okay, so that's what's going on. And I don't know. Jake Roberts is just something that I've realized that I think he can peak very high, but I think his, uh, average promo at least in aew has not been for me i do i appreciated that they at least positioned like the promotion as the baby face they were like they asked me to apologize because i've been so shitty which is like okay so we understand that the promotion is the baby face here and he's the heel but then he didn't do it because he's the shitty heel cody's truck do you want to talk about cody's truck uh one of the funnier people on twitter uh hex prax christian bailey does a lot of jokes about like guys who leave the armed forces and come home and buy Ford F-150s and their, you know, fiancés cheated on them while they were gone or whatever. <laughs> it, and it, it just makes me, whenever I see it, like a fucking, you know, white guy truck now, that's what I think about is, oh, this guy just came back from his, his, his tour in the army and bought a Ford F-150 and lifted it or did whatever the fuck. It's even more so, like, that is like a big, like, city southern truck. Like, he, like, where is he ever going to go that he's going to need the lift? Why does he need to have like the uh, double hitch and all of that? Like, but you have to do that because it's what the what the like the southern white guy truck is. If you're in the city, like people have to go get the, the lifted up F one fifty for no good reason whatsoever. But I'm I'm glad he brought it back because this was something that he threatened to put on the line to get a match of MJF. So I'm glad we got to see the nightmare truck and we have some sort of vehicle continuity. Here's a couple. Anyone who has ever lived near a military base knows that the last thing an enlisted 19-year-old needs is more money. How would they even be able to drive a second 2018 Ford F-150? <laughs> military guys love to buy a 2019 yellow Ford F-150, then drink nine monster vodkas at a square dance bar and drunk drive off the side of a pedestrian bridge. <laughs> anyway, that's what Cody's truck reads to me. Yeah, it's it's extremely evocative of exactly what Cody is like a guy who grew up with like a Southern type father, but he was rich from like the day he was born. And so he's never really had to experience, uh, should I say hard times, <laughs> <laughs> but he's trying to like, uh, I don't know, no, give a notion toward that in his yeah. life. Like it's, it's there in his life, but he can't, grasp what it really is yeah it's something that's so ingrained in his like cultural dna that like he still like feels a pull to be like oh i i've got to get a truck and you have to do like this like i knew so many kids that like growing up in dallas fort worth you know they didn't drive out to the farm like they're i had like friends who did live on ranches that did have like trucks where like you could tell like they actually use it for stuff but then you also have the kids who would just have to lift it up f-150 and that's what i saw when i saw cody it's it's in his cultural DNA and there is like a touchstone there, but he's just like, he's chasing after it in a way. I think it works a lot for his character. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not saying he's faking it. I mean, it's no, just like no, no. a little thing no, it's, that... It's, it's extremely, extremely authentic to who yeah. he is and to who that whole culture is. It's funny. Yes. I I just, I hate the build of this match. I hate all the builds to all the matches. Oh, the build is really good. This is the only segment that hasn't landed. Well, I mean, the, you know, I can do without the fucking Jake the Snake stuff. The, the establishing Archer as a monster and having them, you know, get to each other in this tournament, as I think has been very good. And we have... You know, the outline of the story was they wanted Cody's attention and he was ignoring them and ignoring them and ignoring them. So then they got the match and then, you know, they're still making it personal because Jake the Snake has whatever grudge against Cody, I guess. So it makes sense. I, I just think this particular segment fell flat with no crowd. Yeah, it fell flat for sure. It's like it's less hot than it was yesterday or I guess not yesterday now. Well, yeah, because uh, <laughs> yesterday was Wednesday. If you listen right. to this on the day it came out and that was two days ago. Right. So it's it's less hot than it was uh, Wednesday before 8 p.m. Eastern time uh, in the United States. No, I guess Eastern time's the same everywhere, right? So anyway, that's my point. And it's just like, what are, what are the viewers supposed to want at this point? I mean, Cody supp- to get their, his revenge on Lance and Jake for disrespecting his wife. But that sucks. Like, I, I'm not interested in that in any way. Well, I mean, that's a pretty standard pro wrestling story, right? Like, But he got the best to... of him in this exchange. Lance did, you mean? No, Cody did. Uh, Lance. Well, that's because Lance is winning, away. baby. It's because Lance is winning. I hope so. I hope so. That would be a bummer if he didn't. Okay, we got a video recapping just the tag team scene generally. Just like I think these videos are great. I'm not saying it wasn't. Great. I'm just it's just funny to be like, oh, remember all these tag teams? Yeah. Well, I did the same thing with the women's division last year. They're very like what you would see on an NFL films reset, like the playoff center. This team was doing this and this team was doing this. And I think they're really, really Yeah, it really needed that in the background. <laughs> I thought so too. Did you like I my seed? There, there was music. music in the background, right? Yeah, but it wasn't evocative enough of okay. NFL films. Like that's why they needed to have. You know what? Okay, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the specific Dunn song, but I get the feeling, Mike. Yes. And they needed that guy's voice, the famous NFL films guy. All right. Smartly. I mean, brilliant laying out here by by Mid-South Tony. They went from this right into a tag match. I mean, that was good. We got the best friends defeating Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Chuck pinned Jungle Boy with what I've been told is the awful waffle. This is a fucking sick looking awful waffle too. Yes. It, it, I think now they're all awful waffles. There used to be a time that if it's the uh, turnbuckle setup, it's the awful waffle. Everywhere else is the Omega driver. But I think oh. like the, they've just simplified it to like this. But yeah, I know. Jungle Boy took it on his head. Uh, we Phoenix, I mean, like, yeah, man, I'm glad that Phoenix was there, but like, and I'm excited about the match that came out of his interactions there, but this is like match one. We already have some sort of shenanigans going on here. Yeah, I did complain about this, but that Phoenix kick looks so cool that it is hard to get too mad about. Oh, I mean, Phoenix owns, like, don't get me wrong. It's just, just keeping track of that. They do. They got to put him in this new Mortal Kombat expansion, just have Phoenix, the guest character, do that fucking kick. They should put him in... Fuck. What's the game where they just announced the new characters for it? 
Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. I was going to say that, but I'm like, that sounds wrong. No, that's right. Very funny for somebody who obviously doesn't play to like your only perception of that game is they just announced people for that, right? Which you're not wrong. It's the perfect game for Nate because the game only exists of new characters being announced. Exactly right. (laughs) It's all all hype cycle. It never stops. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, during the match, as we kind of alluded to, Phoenix took out Orange Cassidy, MJF attack, Jungle Boy. And after the match, Wardlow left Marco Stunt playing. I literally thought a small child had been beaten up. Wardlow. Wardlow Day. It was an unannounced Wardlow Day. It was. Uh, Cincinnati sports writing legend Alex Marvez was with John Moxley. And uh, Mox kind of walks by Alex and uh, punches out the cameraman, apparently. I don't think he punched. I think he pushed the camera. I don't think he punched the guy. I think, is, I think he's dead, actually, the cameraman. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how much of a fine he gets charged for this, and we'll be able to assess the severity of his attack. Well, yeah, if, you don't, if you don't put you, you know, Rodman had to kick the cameraman. If you just touch the equipment, I think you're fine. I mean, the equipment is, you, you got to get a replacement there. I mean. That, that's money. That's not battery. That's not emotional damages and punitive action. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we'll this see happened. What, we'll see what the commissioner has to say next week. Mm-hmm. Next up, there was a women's match on this show. Hikaru so, Shida. So, so something that uh, Aaron, for front of the show, Aaron brought up. I've not realized like how the women's matches have always been second on these shows lately. You're going to have to be more specific for an Aaron. Aaron Quinn. Aaron Quinn, yeah. Okay. yeah but, but she brought up that, that, that the women's match is always second, and that's something that did not strike me until... Now, like it was second here. It was like the fourth segment, but it was second. And apparently this is the slot for that. I don't know how long going back, but it definitely seems like something that have happened. Yes. In the match, Akara Shida defeated Penelope Ford, Britt Baker, Chris Statlander, pinned Penelope with the running knee. After the match, we saw Nyla in the crowd holding up the belt. This was a, I don't know, like. It was bad, Mike. You can say it. Right, yeah. It, there's moments in this match I thought that were pretty decent, but these four-way matches, have they had a good women's four-way match? They for sure have. Um, not that I can pick anyone out, and that's probably because it just seems like their sort of default lazy booking is to be like, okay, yeah. well, here's four women. We can get them all on TV at once if we just do a four-way. Right, yeah, because it seemed like in this, like, the match quickly became about like Sheeta and Ford and Penelope Ford is incredibly, uh, she goes for it, but it did not c- turn out that well for her here. But it just, I mean, I'm glad that Sheeta won here, Bill justified. Okay. Now she's beaten top contenders and that's why she's number one contender getting the title shot. Like I like that justification. The match just did not live up to any sort of build for it. All right. I got a little, uh, got a little segment here. That I forgot to do last week. Oh, I okay. All right, let's do Yeah. Hikaru Shida. I have this working theory that Hikaru Shida is the uh, manic pixie weeb girl. <laughs> in that she's the perfect mate well, for any, uh, any weeb. Uh, if she's she's Japanese, so she would be otaku girl. Weeb sure, is for white people. You see that I was... I was um, rhyming or playing along with doesn't, manic doesn't pixie rhyme. dream girl. More, more important to be correct than beg a bad rhyme. But no, I think I think Weebs uh, would would be into. That's my point. Yeah, but she's Weebs are white people. I understand that. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm maybe saying I shouldn't say white people. They're Gaijin. 
And that's what I'm saying. That's, that's... The correct term is otaku. No, I'm talking about that yeah. weebs yeah. Oh, okay. love Hikaru Shida. Yeah, I guess the the dream girl, I guess you're not your own dream. You're the dream of the... Of the otaku. The, yeah, the male protagonist in the movie. Right. Yes, that's the point okay. I'm making. So, I propose, I'm proposing a Hikaru, if Hikaru uh, is in for this, a Hikaru Shida dating game. You would have to establish proficiency in five categories. One, uh, a knowledge of pro wrestling. I think, you know, it's a very important part of her life. This would, be like, to... would this be like the opening stage and like singled out? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing. You're going to need to show some knowledge about pro wrestling. Okay. Okay. We'll do trivia maybe for pro wrestling. All right. Second stage, you're going to need to show knowledge of anime. I think that's going to be important to... Hikarushita. I think the way we'll do this segment is there'll be cosplayers and you have to identify the characters. I mean, she is she is a cosplayer. I mean, she's right. done Cammy from from uh, Street Fighter and other ones. Right. I don't know. Her, her focus seems to be video games more than anime. I yeah, mean, video games. Video games. Anime is it can be a genre. She, she she has cosplay as anime characters before. Okay, I don't yeah. actually know that much anime, so I'll, I'll defer to your. I'm no, willing to take notes. I'm just suggesting how this how this game could go. Uh, three, gaming. And I think you would do this in your kind of natural, just like gaming challenge, where two people at a time play a game against each other, and whoever wins moves on to the next round. Hey, Aaron, what video game do you think this should be? Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely, well, she definitely doesn't uh, cosplay Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat has no presence in Japan. She does cosplay Mortal Kombat. Mm. Oh does boy, does she! Like She's... the original original Mortal Kombat may not have even been released in Japan. All right, I'm pulling and up the, her Instagram and... right now. All right. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean, I, would, I feel like... like I'm pretty. I mean, it. It's definitely bottom tier of the major league. Oh, fighting games. franchises. Yeah, sure. yeah, and like this. Even though Mortal Kombat has the best web code, it's not really. Doing that, uh, I mean, Street Street Fighter. This motherfucker is going to pull up this Instagram, and it's going to be a Skullgirls character. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he, uh, or he's going to take Cammy from Street Fighters from Mortal Kombat. It's probably going to be that it was that, a Street Fighter. That character. would be just humiliating. What's, what's... <laughs> I can't find it. I, I mean, you might have to resign that's, being that's the executive producer of the show <laughs> of the Hikaru Shoot dating game if this is the case. All right. Well, I can't find it, but I will find it, and I will own myself if, if needed. <laughs> Okay, not, so that, how can you not find it? Because she does a lot of posts, man. And I don't know what these fucking characters are. Obviously. Right, Let me finish I, my bet, for Christ's sake. <laughs> no, I want to I fact check it more. So there's going to be a gaming contest. Third. Fourth. You're going to have to show uh, some martial arts understanding. She's really into martial arts. I propose that everyone do like a... Uh, Whatever the little thing is, you do it like a martial arts competition. You mean a kata performance? Doing a kata. Everyone's going to have to do one. Yeah. Yeah. And for the main event, because Hikaru Shida is a multi-talented person, the final event will be uh, performer's choice, some sort of talent exhibition. We've seen Hikaru Shida play piano. We've heard her sing. We've seen her draw. She's so an actress. She's an actress. Lots of things to choose from. You can do a monologue if you so chose. Mm -hmm. Sure. But the, the final battle 
will be a uh, talent exhibition in the Hikaru Shida dating game. What do you guys think? I think this is a hit. Uh, seems impractical. I don't know that she's going to agree to do it, but you know, the fundamental idea is sounder. Thank you. I, I appreciate mean, that. I think I that... gotta say, Nate, I really have you in mind for this show. I'd like to see you compete mm. and win. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Sounds <laughs> like a lot of effort. I mean, you're asking him. You're asking to play Mortal Kombat, a game that I've never heard Nate talk about being proficient. Oh, in. I've, like, I've, in fact, I've tweeted about Mortal Kombat a few times because I found the reboot single player storyline okay really really uh grossly uh to, grossly exceeded my expectations well i mean uh, and there is this upcoming uh expansion to the newest release that i was thinking about buying on playstation not this afternoon ah okay i uh i find um, i really hate the aesthetics of the game are hideous to me well it's more combat the aesthetics are always yeah terrible. the uh you know they overwork all their the coders and programmers and designers and stuff and make them do crunch until they get depression and then give them PTSD. Cause they're looking at all this reference footage of people's, you know, brains breaking and bones breaking and all this shit. That's reprehensible to me. Um, but there's something about that single player mode that no other fighting game has been able to do. You guys really know how to bring down a bit. Oh, I, I like, I, I think that there's some content here. I mean, may I offer what I would add to to your gaming show or, or your dating show please uh, i think that you are just like these are kind of like journalist things you were doing here it is well known how much of a huge marvel fan she is like that's like one of her big things like you have to like show some like marvel extended universe oh yeah oh we talked about this didn't we mike yeah, yeah yes yeah yes <laughs> i brought this up as a thing because you were going very generic and i'm like no you have to get into specifics you have to cater this to the person wow so you workshop this with mike and then didn't even take his notes right i know like, like you wonder no. why I hold said, on ah. hold on hold on i came up with a great idea about this in my workshopping with mike so we'll erase one of the <laughs> one of the uh levels here and we'll do a Marvel 24-hour movie marathon. You have to survive the entire marathon. You can get up only to go to the restroom and return immediately. No sleeping. 24 hours. You, okay. you see, I think yeah. this adds a different element to it. You're right. You're right. I like that. I'll take out like, like, um, like a hands on a hard body situation. Exactly. I'll take out one of the other side. I'll think about this, but that's, uh, yeah, I, so I appreciate the bit. I appreciate you bringing the content, Aaron. I don't know that you need to go and workshop this anymore and bring <laughs> it back to the show. Cause I really don't have anything else to say about your it's already fantasy perfect. book dating show. <laughs> <laughs> Not really sure what we're supposed to do with this. I don't know. Uh, well, I'm going to pitch it next. I mean, it's okay. You're, so, you're going to yeah. go straight to the networks. You're going to say, "Hey, Turner, make it the Means TV." Yeah, I mean, this is a <laughs> <laughs> this is great TNT content. I mean, it's it might be better than Misery Index. Have you all ever watched it's Misery be Better? Misery no. Index. I know Nate. Of course, you haven't. But have you seen the commercials for Misery Index? No, they're not. Oh, on you don't get those I on Fight TV. No, well, Fight TV did show commercials during every ad break for the Cage Fighter movie, so I'm probably going to watch that. Okay, so, so this Cage Fighter movie, like I, I saw you tweet about this, it has John Moxley in it, it has Christian in it. Who also was Jay in Riso. this? Who was in it? Jay Riso. Jay Riso. Sorry. They advertise so the, the female lead is Gina Gershon, which is great. Love to see Gina back at it. 
And then all the other pe people that are credited are like the cameos for other fighters. It's like Chuck Liddell, former <laughs> UFC heavyweight champion. Like they, they cite all of their uh, fight accolades as if they were acting accolades, which is very funny to me. I, I think we should do a movie review of this on the Patreon. I think I'm we should. It. Yeah, we. I mean, this is core content, I think. Hey, in the ads, they use AEW footage. And also, like I said, cite John Moxley as the current AEW World Heavyweight Champion. I mean, it's the greatest acting accolade anyone could have. No doubt. I might let you guys handle that. Uh, not sure it's going to be funny <laughs> enough to really entertain me. Like unintentionally funny, you know? Yeah, no, it doesn't. It seems like a pretty straight ahead, but it was all, you know, produced, obviously produced very professionally, looked mm -hmm. like professional uh, production. You just compare it to like the, the really the gifts or clips I've seen of John Moxley in like the WWE films. And it's like, oh, they had like professional lighting here instead of like whatever they were using for TV that day. <laughs> I already watched the like, um, what's his name? Tom Hardy MMA movie or whatever. A warrior? Yeah, it sucked. I mean, it's not it's no red belt. <laughs> I watched uh, um Lone Wolf McQuaid, which is uh Chuck Norris and the guy from Kung Fu Carradine. That's a that's a oh, David Carradine. Yeah. Uh yeah. Here's they the plot a, they of did this a in that one. Carradine did a did a little exhibition. Yeah. Uh Reese is the greatest champion ever to fight in the mixed martial arts promotion known as Legends. However, when promoter Max Black, uh, played by Gina Gershon, pits him against professional wrestling star Randy Stone, John Moxley, Ruiz finds himself in the toughest fight of his life. Yep. How can't you want to watch this, AB? This looks great. Not selling me. It's, it looks, it looks amazing. Me. Come on. Randy Stone. Randy Stone. The Get Evan Stone and we'll talk. <laughs> Sorry? Get Evan Stone and we'll talk. Okay. <laughs> The hey, most acclaimed one. top UFC fighters <laughs> got the biggest challenge of his life. Guy with a big dick. <laughs> oh, God. There was a Suge D promo on this show. He said that Chris Jericho doesn't have any respect for him. He says, at first, he was insulted. But ever since you've been calling me Pete, life has been sweet. Which, uh, Suge D, between this and the Road 2 promo, just killing it. A lot of good promos from Suge D this week. That led right into Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy defeating Santana and Ortiz with uh, Matt Hardy pinning Ortiz. So Hardy really getting the push here as Omega took the pin last week and Hardy got the pin this week. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, I'm glad to see Santana Ortiz back. It's interesting that Hardy has kind of been like, almost like the most important elite member, at least in the storyline, even though he's not an elite member. It's they had kind of Kenny doing the delete on the turnbuckle after the match. I mean, he's just playing second fiddle to Hardy here. Yeah. It's bizarre. It is weird. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like trying to, wrap my, <laughs> trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah. It's wild. It's not like you need to get him over, you know? So it's very strange. <laughs> All right. You're world tag team champion. Yeah. Taz is with Darby. He apologizes for bringing up Darby's loss to Cody by reminding him that he lost to Cody and exactly how the finish went. He says, then Cody did a basic amateur wrestling move. And you don't get it. I can help you. And then Darby, with just one of the great all-time line reads, says, I do get it. 
I placed third in the state of Idaho in amateur wrestling and then walked away. Darby wasn't on either of these shows. Was he on Dark? No. 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 So did he come to Daily Place to do two stand-ups with Taz? <laughs> like, where did Taz run into him that he was interviewing him and be like, hey, Darby, I want to talk to you about this, <laughs> this match yet again, even though you're not on this show at all. Even though this match is now two weeks ago and you're now booked for the ladder match at Double or Nothing, but I still want to talk about how you were a dipshit and gave up your back to Cody to do a backslide. You know, I didn't yeah. know this about... I, I assume this is true. I assume it's not made up. It's oh, got to be made up. Uh, he does have amateur background. It's just uh, like Robert Pattinson shit. I mean... Okay, what is that a reference to? Yeah. Haven't you... I mean, it's been all over Twitter this week. Are you talking just, about, are you talking about his, his pasta bad thing? cooking? Yes, bad cooking. No, him just like making shit up in interviews. Oh. I guess oh, he was on the Today no. Show one time and they said like, you ever been to the circus? He said, yeah, the only time I went, the guy died. Like the <laughs> okay. like clown car remember. exploded. <laughs> you, right. you know what? I respect that. Like, it, no, if you're me going, too. It rules. It, if you're going to give me like a question, like, have you been to the circus? I'm going to make up like some insane story at that point. It's, it, just, it's real Nathan Fielder hours. It's just like I don't know anything about amateur wrestling in Idaho, but I'm assuming that the talent level isn't quite what it is in like Georgia, for example. It's just very. Also, he was probably in a very light weight class, so I can see that how he would be the best in his weight class. Well, not even the best. He, he explicitly well, said he you know, placed third. Top tier. <laughs> still still an achievement in, uh, in a whole state. I mean, there's at least two wrestlers in his weight class of whatever year in Idaho that were better wrestlers. So we know that. Maybe maybe Darby should be matching up with them. Maybe maybe screw Taz. Go see number one in your division in amateur wrestling or your number two person. What, what has Taz done in amateur wrestling? Nothing, as far as I know. I, where are we going here? What, what do you guys think this is leading? Don't know. I'm, I'm more interested to see because I actually don't know where it goes from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No idea. This is good. There's a lot of ways they can go with this. The idea that Taz keeps on like bringing up like credentials and stuff like this, and Darby like is like, oh no, I did Kumite, and I actually was the real life inspiration of Kickboxer. Like, I, I would really like to see a Darby Taz match out of this. No, I, I don't think Taz is able no. to wrestle. <laughs> yeah. I want to see it. Give it to I me. I think Taz did that final match against Jerry Lawler or whatever on the ECW pay-per-view, and he didn't even want to do that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I, they get, put me in this fucking program. I had no interest in doing it at all, even though it was like, go choke him out and you're done. <laughs> I mean, unless he learns the Taz mission. If he learns the Taz mission, that'd be interesting. Oh, I wouldn't mind if he gave him the Taz mission as a finish. Yeah. I mean, the last supper is good. All, yeah. all his coffin drops good. He does have a lot of finishes. He needs a he needs a submission move. He he, yeah, he gets give, a submission. Yeah, give him that Taz mission. We love how we love everyone having extra finishers. Give him the Taz mission. That's where this should go. I don't I don't know. I kind of remember him doing an arm submission and evolve, but I'm. I think he did like an arm bar. Like was like a like a on arm bar where he's on the guy's back, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He did the. Uh, one where he's like on the back and you do like the double arm bar, like what Zack Sabre Jr. does, like the hurrah this year. Oh, he's done surely that be yeah. better than the last. The inevitable march of progress. Well, I forget the rest of that move name. Oh, you've been watching the New Japan fan rap? Uh, I am not. I, I know it exists, but I have not watched <laughs> it because I know it's something that will like bore a hole into like my cerebral <laughs> cortex. And whatever I use for whatever useless information I have in my brain right now will be replaced by the new Japan rap. And I can't have that happen. Like I have enough of a tenuous grasp on, on just reality right now 
that I can't have the New Japan rap like burrow itself into my brain. Just cannot have that happen. You guys ever played Turok? Oh yeah. Remember the cerebral boar? Yeah, I mean that's what I'm talking about. Like the the cerebral boar. I mean like his crazy arrowheads he has in that game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess not a lot of Shin Nihon fanatics on this podcast. I suppose. I'm just trying to get us to move on here. <laughs> Lexi Nair is with Hikaru Shida, and Shida cuts a promo in English and says she's going to beat Nyla Rose for the title. Nyla comes out, congratulates her. She says, I know you've been missing something. Hits her with the kendo stick and says, I found your kendo stick, bitch. That was a better line read, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he did great Sorry, there. Mike. Yeah, no, I, no. I have a degree in theater. I, I know. Like, I, I don't. My degree, <laughs> I, you can tell from that line read. Absolutely, <laughs> I yeah. I know. Uh, MJF defeated Big Shoddy, Lee Johnson, with a uh, submission hole. I actually don't remember this match happening. It happened. Yeah, this match happened. I believe it. It was like a quick match, and I was mainly focusing on Wardlow, as I'm one to do. MJF had a promo afterward. He says, Jungle Boy, I'm so excited for our match at Double or Nothing, uh, but I got a little ring rust, so needed a tune-up match. Uh, but he was not referring to the match with Big Shoddy Lee Johnson. He said when he got to the arena today, he saw that Marco Stunt had an open contract for a match, so he signed his name on the dotted line, and we will be getting MJF versus Marco Stunt next week on Dynamite. Next up, Chris Jericho defeated Pineapple Pete with the Judas Effect. Pineapple Pete got pyro. That rolled. Can, can you put like an echo on that, Mike? Judas Effect. <laughs> I, I can, but I'm not going to. <laughs> All right, fine. It's just time. I can. Do them, oh, oh. You're gonna make me have to like look up. Sulk long enough till we get what we want. No, Mike, please don't waste your time putting an echo on that. I mean, yeah, we, can... we hate for the show to be good. Fine. <laughs> oh, God. All right, after the match, Jericho is on the mic. He says, Let's move on to the matter at hand Inner Circle versus Elite. But then he asks, I think rightfully so, is the Elite even a thing anymore? Notes that we haven't seen Adam Page or the Young Bucks in some time. But he says they're going to give the Elite one more chance. While history stands still worldwide, the Inner Circle is writing history. And that's why they've created the Stadium Stampede match, which all we learn about it is that it's going to be a match inside a football stadium. So, you know, presumably they will march over to TIAA Field, have a match there. He tells the Elite that they will wait all night for their response, but within mere seconds, Vanguard One flies in. He's got the Inner Circle shirt that he took from Jericho. Jericho gets it back and says he assumes that Vanguard One has an answer, and then we see from Vanguard One's perspective, it says, we accept. Uh, he asks Vanguard again if he's considered joining Inner Circle, and before Vanguard can answer, Jericho says it's too late. We already have our sixth member. It's Floyd, the baseball bat, and Floyd has a message for the elite. And this, of course, leads to Jericho destroying Vanguard One. I also like that Jericho had the bat last week for the for the match, for the street fight. So it's not like he brought out this bat with the particular purpose of killing the drone because he knew that the drone was coming out. He's been carrying the bat around for a while, looking for an opportunity to use it on the drone. This is great continuity. Same with the T-shirt. We can presume that Vanguard One has been flying around with that T-shirt for you know weeks at this point, and that's just great. 
we got a video recapping the Brody Lee, John Moxley feud. We learned that Mike Tyson is going to present the TNT title as we discussed earlier. And then Brody Lee defeated Christopher Daniels with the Lariat, which I think we, we covered. After the match, Mox comes out, he clears the ring. He cuts, uh, you know, classic Mox babyface promo. He says the AEW world title is more than a piece of metal. You're going to find that out on May 23rd. There will be a hailstorm of violence, and you may find your AEW career is over before it started. They, they should have called this pay-per-view Hailstorm of Violence. That's not one of my favorite Moxley-isms that he's used. H-O-V. A-E-W-H-O-V sounds like a terrible pay-per-view name. <laughs> but this is like in like, uh, I don't know, I feel like there was a time in wrestling where the name of every pay-per-view was just like, well, yeah, some, rock bottom. Some reference to the main event, you know? Yeah, yeah. You had like in your house, rock bottom, right. breakdown. Beware of dog. Beware of dog. <laughs> uh, Survivor Series, Deadly Games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Roadblock into the line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was the reference to the wrestler Roadblock being there, of course. All right. Let me tell you quickly about our Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite. Actually, the only thing I really want to put over is how fun the Discord is. Come join us in the Discord and chat with us. We've had a good time. It's like, you know, you can't or you aren't supposed to be hanging out with your friends to watch Dynamite right now. So come hang out with Mike and me and the rest of our uh, crew of Discorders. And it's fun. We also will have the uh, a Double or Nothing retrospective coming out this week. And of course, you'll get the Double or Nothing instant reaction at the end of May. So no better time to subscribe. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Next week on Dynamite, May 20th from Daly's Place, we're going to have Orange Cassidy versus Phoenix, MJF versus Marco Stunt, John Moxley versus 10, and Sammy Guevara taking on Matt Hardy. We will preview that on AW Light on the Patreon. Real interested in the idea that they already have 10 going up against Moxley. Yeah, he's even on Dark, he's had pretty short matches. So right. I don't That's know if this is going to be a squash, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, that and, a, and OCA versus Phoenix is something I'm incredibly for. So yeah, interesting matches this next week. Does Orange Cassidy versus Phoenix happen at 9 p.m. on the dot? Oh, that, that, that's a fun game. What, what do we think is going to be the 9 o'clock match or segment? Yeah, that seems, like a, that seems like, I mean, that's the match that I'm most interested in. Yeah, um, yeah. I presume the main event angle has to be something building to the big matches on the pay-per-view. So probably won't be Moxley versus 10, but it might be a Jericho segment of some kind. I would think Sammy and Matt Hardy will be the main event. Yeah, it could yeah. be. Mm-hmm. I and everybody comes out afterward, you know? Right. Yeah, I could see that. It's when, uh, it's when Paige makes his triumphant return, the Bucks make their triumphant return. Wow, that'd be big. Well, it seems likely because they're they're just going to stay there between the next Dynamite and the pay-per-view, I believe. So, Right. So let's talk about that. Is that who we think is going to be on the team for the Elite? They haven't announced who the team members are. So do we think Paige and both Bucks will be on the Stadium Stampede team? That would give them five. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Cody's got his own match. Sure. Oh, but, I guess with um, uh, with Hardy they have. So Matt, Nick, Paige, Omega, Hardy. Yeah, had, like those are the five that make the most sense. 
It's like, just interesting because, you know, all we've heard is that Paige and the Bucks don't want to be there or, you know, don't feel it's safe or whatever. So one week later, they're fine with it? Well, it's two weeks because this was taped last week. So it's two weeks later they're fine with it, I guess. I mean, they did on the BTE. The Jacksons were like, yeah, you know, we think it's about time to keep getting back, getting tired of the inner circle. So I, I presume they're going to be there. I mean, like, if you don't have uh, the Jacksons, I think make more sense for being there. Like, if you don't have Heyman, like, are you going to like plug in then, like Michael Nakazawa in this? Because especially for what we understand this match to be, like, this is going to be, kind of be like the uh, empty. Uh, Tokyo Dome match in a way like I kind of see it being one of those kind of things a lot like the uh, street fight Nakazawa is the person that would make sense there but it also would seem like so deflating if it is Michael Nakazawa filling in for Paige now now I've decided I want that to happen I do want it to be Michael Nakazawa I think it'd be interesting he should at least do a cameo as the janitor or whatever yeah (laughs) assuming they can't fly over Jun Kasai yeah yeah Uh, he should be like this Uh, geez who should be the uh go to a Hashi person in this match. Y'all don't know who he is. He's the big fat guy that they kept on like kicking the shit out of during this. I'm referring to y'all haven't seen the Tokyo Dome match. I did have seen it. I think. Yeah. I remember Junkasai and Saki Akai. Yeah. Saki Akai yeah. was being the beer girl there. That was funny. Love the Tokyo Dome with beer girls. I just saw the things people posted on Twitter. I didn't watch like the whole match. It's a good Too time. Relatable. It's a good time. <laughs> Uh, the other new matches that we learned this week, <laughs> the Stadium Stampede, of course, Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. And we learned that Phoenix will be in the casino ladder match. And I see someone has added Scorpio Sky. So presumably he's been added to the match also. Yep. He was announced today. Uh, we didn't really touch much on this, but apparently it's going to be a delayed entry for the uh, for the ladder match. The uh, chip, which uh, Wesley is called as the chip, can be pulled down at any time. So there's actually risk and reward about when your entry is in this, which I think is kind of interesting. Like it's not necessarily something that, you know, makes a whole lot of sense unless it's like, okay, at any time you do this. So now you get like the risk and reward there. So they should make it. So the chip starts like 50 feet above the ring. And then as time <laughs> goes by, it gets lower and lower and lower until it's all the way like sitting on the ring. Right. That'd be how I would do it. If, if they're going to do that, not what Nate was saying, but just that you can grab it at any time. <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to play Nate's Nate's yeah. idea. I think I'm just going to say, if they really want to sell this this gimmick, somebody should win the match before everyone has entered. That'd be great. For sure, won't happen. Yeah, no, 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 no absolutely will not happen. It should happen. <laughs> you know, this is probably this is coming from the promotion that wants to do a war game, so match where the, the match can't end until there's ten people in the ring for no reason. Oh, Nate it's, doesn't understand war games. You really hate to see it. It's very sad. It's about very it's about kicking match. ass. It's about getting the baby faces, getting the hands on them. You want to have the whole team in there to do That's it. Right. That's you got to right. clear a, a lane to fight, figure out which one of the villains you want to kick their ass the most. It's not about competition, Nate. It's always about competition, Aaron. <laughs> not this match. If it, if it's not about competition, then why bother? Because sometimes you just got to kick somebody's ass, Nate, aka Epitasis. <laughs> and this is one of those times. I don't yeah, think but this... I, I do think somebody should win in like six minutes. Okay. Yeah, I would rule. So somehow the third they... guy, the first two guy people are fighting, and the third guy comes down. There's like, whoop, nobody caught me. Yeah. I great. mean, I think it's something that I'm just gonna throw it out there. I think Orange Cassie should win this thing. Hey, we gotta do a preview of this. Next, I know next week, buddy. I mean, so. I'll, uh, maybe there'll be someone else Chill injured out. that makes me change my you mind, know, but for now, 
think Orange Cassidy should win it as of time of recording. It's Thursday, by the way. It is Thursday. You might hear this on Friday or Saturday. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's everything. If you want to give us... What was the thing they were supposed to be sending you, Nate? Oh, idea, dusting ideas. Dusting ideas. God, that seems don't, like... Don't send me dusting ideas. Only so tweet at me if it's about Captain Tsubasa, Rise of New Champions. It's the only thing I want to see any tweets about. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... At Everything AEW, at Aaron Like the Car, at Epitasis, at Fujiheya. Subscribe, rate, and review if you're on the Apple Podcast app. And please check out patreon.com slash everything... Elite. Anything you guys want to add? Okay, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Saving for the future, but savings accounts suck, and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4 to 6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit stairsapp.com today.